You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our shows. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the Packers podcast for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how we are the number one local NFL show on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we hope we are your number one destination for Packers talk as a podcast on the internet, whatever. We want to be number one in your hearts and minds. It is Monday and the Packers play the Vikings this Sunday in their season. That is what Sunday is. If Green Bay loses their season really for all intents and purposes, would be pretty close to over. Their playoff hopes would hang to the smallest of threads. Uh, 9-6-1 and one could sneak in, which is why I, I think some of the wailing and gnashing of teeth that has happened on Packers Twitter needs to relax a little bit. I think maybe fans have not taken a close look at the schedule to see the teams left. Still have Arizona at home, still have Detroit at home where Green Bay owns the Lions. You'd go to New York for the Jets in a game that Green Bay obviously should win. And then you've got two divisional games. If you don't win those games, you don't deserve to go to the playoffs. And home for the Falcons, who lost uh, in heartbreaking fashion to the Cowboys on Sunday. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the scenarios and everything that's going on around the NFL because the Packers didn't play on Sunday, Uh, but I think what happened in some ways makes this loss on Thursday feel worse for Packers fans because Green Bay at 5-4 or 5-4-1 instead of 4-5-1 would really feel good about their chances, but now Seattle is going to have to lose some games wild card-wise. Dallas, who beat Atlanta, is going to have to lose some games wild card-wise, although after the Alex Smith injury... Maybe Dallas is the favorite to win the NFC East. And Green Bay doesn't have to worry about Dallas in the wild card chase. Uh, That division is is now wide open. With Minnesota losing on Sunday, that opens things up for Green Bay wild card wise and makes this game on Sunday um, not a a play-in game, but I think a loser leaves town match for those wrestling fans or just Bill Simmons fans who understand the vernacular of what that means at this point, uh, given what Minnesota still has on its schedule, still has to go to Seattle, still has to play. The Patriots obviously has the Packers this week at home uh, and has to play the Bears one more time. So, you know, there there is one way to look at this. If you think the Packers really should just be a wild card team, then you wanted the Bears to win on Sunday and the Vikings to lose. That's a wild card team to knock out. I, I stipulated that I felt like this team could still get on get on a, a heater 
and that would mean the Vikings would be the preferred winner of the Sunday game. That didn't happen. It was a horrible game if you watched it, sloppy and gross. But that's not that's not where I want to start the show. There were two really important injuries that came out of the Thursday game. Mike Daniels has a foot injury, and he's going to miss a couple weeks, which is not great news for the Packers, at least not this week uh, against the Minnesota Vikings team that has some serious problems when it comes to what their offensive line looks like. They couldn't block the Bears. And so not having Mike Daniels mitigates an advantage Green Bay would have otherwise had um, in in a really pivotal game. Now, uh, we, we don't know what the timetable is. Several weeks, a couple weeks, a month. A month would be four games, and that would mean the Vikings game at home for Arizona, at home for Atlanta, and then on the road for Chicago. That is the, the, this next four. If Green Bay can win all four, they're going to go to the playoffs. Just that's it. They're going to go to the playoffs if they win all four because they're going to win week 16 at New York and they're going to beat the Lions at home. And that's 10-5-1. That's going to the playoffs. You win 10 games in the NFC this year, you're going to the playoffs. So Green Bay, again, for all of the sky is falling talk, if they just win these next four, and really it's at Minnesota and at Chicago are the big ones. But not having Mike Daniels for those games mitigates an advantage that Green Bay has, and it makes it harder for Mike Patton to play his light personnel packages because what you need to do with those light packages if you're going to play extra defensive backs, extra safeties, is you need to be able to stop the run with those light boxes. So you need to have Daniels, Clark, Lowry, Martinez, Morrison in the game to make those stops, to stop the run, just those five guys. And then, you know, you, you need your defensive backs to tackle so that you can stop the pass. If you lose Mike Daniels, that that takes away, or at least uh, it, it lessens your ability, if you're the Packers, to play those fronts successfully, or at least on a consistent basis. Now, the good news for this week is, as I said, that Vikings offensive line is really not good. Um, Arizona is a bad team. You get Atlanta at home in a cold weather game, and that's ideal. And you'd hope that by the time Green Bay has to go to Chicago for Week 15 in what could be, again, the season, assuming they win those first three, that would be a game you'd want to have Mike Daniels for. It's also a game you'd want to have Jimmy Graham for. And it looks like Green Bay is going to be without him for the foreseeable near term at least. The broken thumb, it was a, it was an injury that didn't seem serious when it happened because he wasn't, you know, a lot of times these broken fingers, they can be gnarly and guys immediately react and you're like, oh my God, what happened? That's not, that doesn't seem to be the case. But for a guy that needs his hands to catch the ball, I mean, Packer fans of a certain age will remember Brett Favre playing with a broken thumb famously on his throwing hand. And, you know, I I have heard from a lot of people saying, I still have no idea how he did that. I mean, I'm talking talking about professional athletes, coaches, saying, "I I don't know how he was able to do that. And even that, all he's doing is throwing the ball. It's about grip. If you're getting impact on that thumb, having to catch the ball, that's going to be a problem for you. Now, we don't know, is that a two-week injury? Is that a four-week injury? 
we don't know. The one thing I'll say about the Jimmy Graham injury that I think it's a silver lining. I don't, it's not a hidden benefit, if that makes sense. So I'm going to make a designation between those two. If there is something good to take out of this, and it's not necessarily better than the alternative, you'd rather have Jimmy Graham. But what Green Bay did against the Seahawks is they played a lot of those two tight end sets. Well, if you get Mercedes Lewis on the field, he's a much better blocker than Jimmy Graham, period. And so you should be able to run the ball more effectively. Now, that's assuming Mike McCarthy decides running the ball is a thing he wants to do. And that's, you know, its own question that needs to be answered. That was not something he was, you know, able to commit to with Seattle. And unfortunately, that was part of the reason Green Bay lost the game. But having those that, that ability where you, if you're going to put, so here's the thing. The two tight ends, the advantage you have out of a two tight end set, and we talked about this before the season because I thought the arrival of Mercedes Lewis was a perfect match between Graham and and Lewis given their skill sets. We just didn't get to see them on the field at the same time enough, which I think is another if you're gonna if you're gonna hang a, a failing on Mike McCarthy, that would be another one. But when you have a blocking tight end and a receiving tight end, you're able to create matchup problems for the defense. And because they're going to stay in base. So, okay, they're going to stay in base personnel. So throw the ball against base personnel and your tight ends theoretically could have matchup advantages assuming they're decent move tight ends. Well, when one of them is Jimmy Graham, you're going to have a matchup advantage and Mercedes Lewis can still run. Lance Kendricks is not the athlete Jimmy Graham is and not as reliable with his hands. But he made some plays in the Seahawks game. Is Aaron Rodgers going to trust either of those guys enough to make them productive members of this offense? We'll see. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm certainly not convinced of it. But I think if you're going to talk about silver linings in this, um, and I think it's it's not just looking for a silver lining. I think this is a silver lining. Getting Mercedes Lewis on the field more is going to help the blocking schemes in the run game, and it's going to help in pass protection. And so if you're going to go max protect, at least in those scenarios, you have tight ends who can get that job done. There were a couple times against Seattle, there have been a couple times over the course of the season where they've used Jimmy Graham in a max protect type situation, and he's he's having to block someone one-on-one, whether it's a defensive end, woof, or a blitzing linebacker, and he can't do it. Well, Mercedes Lewis can do it. And so that that would potentially make, let's say they're going to go play action and try and take a deep shot. Well, if that's not there, Rodgers can buy time and move, assuming that tight end can hold up. If he's not holding up, that's one of the reasons why Rodgers has had to to manipulate the pocket, move outside of the pocket, and throw the ball away as much as he has. With Lewis, you actually have a tight end who can make that block which changes the calculation, I think, for your offense and how often you're able to call those types of plays. And speaking of making calls, if you have some calls you think you want to make when it comes to putting money on the game, and if you had Packers plus three in Seattle, unfortunately, that's a push. Um, the the line early on was plus two and a half. That did not cover. So um, not only did the Packers lose, they didn't cover. And if you want... To put money on the Packers or any team, you should be doing it 
at my bookie. They have live in-game betting, over-unders on fantasy points, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. The mobile site is super easy to use, which means you can do everything you want to do. Prop bets, all sorts of different combination plays. They have great prop bets. You can do that all from your phone. And right now, when you use the promo code LOCKDOWN25, you'll get a dollar-for-dollar deposit bonus up to $1,000. And... If you deposit after 7 p.m., MyBookie will give you an additional $25 in free play. That's right, $25 just for making a deposit after 7 p.m. So use the promo code LOCKDOWN25 at MyBookie to get that dollar-for-dollar deposit bonus. And if you do it after 7 p.m. Eastern, you'll get an additional $25 free dollars because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, we got a ton of stuff at the Locked On Packers fan hotline. Um, remember, anytime you want to do that, you can send us a note, 920-341-3775. We were swamped with calls, with texts. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Following the Seahawks game, obviously fans were upset. Uh, I got a little hot on the podcast last week. I didn't mean to. Uh, I, I didn't intend to. It was not something I... Sc- I mean, uh, so, you know, when, when Devontae Adams gets cheap-shotted by Danny Trevathan, I got on the mic knowing I was going to go off. And when it happened again in the Carolina game, I got on the mic knowing I was going to go off. This was not one of those situations. I got in front of the microphone, and, you know, the, the whole first five, six, eight minutes of the show... I'm I'm perturbed, and then the the it boils over, and a lot of you responded um, really positively to it. I appreciate that feedback. Um, a couple people sent me you know tweets and DMs saying, "Hey, this was my favorite podcast." Um, hey, you understand? We all feel this way. That kind of thing. And and while you know my responsibility is to you, the listener, I also have responsibilities to cover the team. So, you know, you, you, you have to walk that line. And I, I try, but, you know, with the understanding that, um, you know, there's a reason I'm here because I'm passionate about this and, and um, I'm passionate about serving you guys. So that's, that's another reason to get your questions in here as part of this discussion. So let's start here. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Rick from Far, Texas? Far? I don't know. Uh, I understand that the organization will not make a move at replacing MM midseason, but I'm wondering if it's at all possible that the play calling is taken from him. Surely Joe Philbin can't be worse at it. It would allow Mike to focus more on the time management and more of the nuances of the game. Looking forward to your response. Thanks. This is interesting. Uh, I, I don't think it would happen unless the Packers were out of playoff contention. So let's say they lose Sunday. And, you know, they're not mathematically excluded. So, you know, let's say they lose Sunday and then in two weeks they lose at home to Atlanta and and that basically knocks them out. They're done. From that standpoint, I could see someone like Mike McCarthy, who has always advocated for his coaches, knowing his season is over and probably his career in Green Bay is over and saying what we're going to do is for the for the final few weeks. Joe Philbin is going to call plays as a sort of audition for his next job. 
And I think Mike McCarthy, if he goes somewhere, is going to get hired in a heartbeat, probably by Cleveland. I think he's high on their list based on what's been reported and the things that I've heard. But Joe Philbin may not be as high on other people's lists, and maybe Mike McCarthy is not bringing Joe Philbin with him as the offensive coordinator wherever he goes. Giving him that opportunity to audition, I think, would be an interesting thing that that Mike McCarthy genuinely would consider. I don't think it would. I don't think it would happen with Green Bay still in position to try and get a playoff spot with them still battling for playoff position, which they still definitively are. Um, but it is an interesting uh, proposal. Should Green Bay fall out of it? All right, hey, Peter, I was at the game on Thursday, and seeing the game from that point of view where I could watch the receivers getting open over and over was infuriating to say the least. I ate a pity party bowl of Ivers clam chowder after the game and watched Aaron's post-game interview. He said the team needs a galvanizing moment, and I thought, Eureka, Brian has been no-nonsense with the players. Now it's time to be no-nonsense with the coach. Tell the team. That if this team doesn't make the playoffs, McCarthy is gone. I would think if any of these players have a shred of respect for the man, that they would put something a little extra into it. I mean, this is a guy with a family and a huge part of the community for years. That has to stand for something. Sorry for the long text, but I hope I might still get to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Kevin from Washington State. I don't mind the long texts as much. It's the long voicemails. I'm just not going to play them. And they're just too long. Stop sending long voicemails. If you want them on air, if you just want me to hear them, by all means, I don't want to. I don't want to de-incentivize anyone from from leaving a voicemail. I, I I welcome your feedback and your questions. I'm just unlikely to play them on the show if you leave me a three minute voicemail. So this is um, this is an interesting question for me because this galvanizing moment thing is interesting. Aaron Rodgers saying after the game, we need a galvanizing moment. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And he even said it could be a speech. It could be a play. It could be, you know, whatever it is. And, and I'm sure he feels like, look, we're, we're searching. We're trying to find that moment. We're trying to find this, this spark in our season because it hasn't been there. And they, you know, he, it came to him with, I think we can run the table that, that, we point to that as a touchstone, as an inflection point, but that wasn't what changed their season. What changed their season is in the second half of that game, they found some things that worked and they started to hit them. The defense couldn't stop anyone, but offensively they found some things that really worked. And I think that that's what it's going to take for them to, to get that inflection point moment, that flashpoint in their season it has to come this week or their season is over. And so maybe Rodgers takes it upon himself to make that speech. We often, you know, I think a lot of these things are done from a Monday morning quarterback point of view. We say, oh, look, that was the moment. And really, you know, maybe that it was not a causation. It was just a correlation. That thing happened and then they did all this stuff. Well, it wasn't that one thing that necessarily caused everything that followed. But what Rodgers is basically saying, we need that spark. We need that moment where we look at each other and say, we got this. And the fact that they haven't had that moment, I think to this point is troubling. But for Aaron Rodgers, you know, he had the the run the table. I think we can run the table. Maybe 
that was more important and more galvanizing than I'm giving it credit for. I, I don't know. I would, frankly, I would doubt it. I think it was it was more the schematic things and the execution things that they did in the second half. Jared Cook was a big part of that. They hit some some big plays in the passing game, and so, you know, I, I I would I would say that that was probably more important. But then the articles were written. We're gonna run the table. I don't think Rodgers anticipated that that would be this this critical moment. That this would be this fork in the road for the season. He believed they could still do it, and I don't I don't feel that same belief from this team. But that doesn't mean they can't get it. And I thought going up 14-3 against the Seahawks would have been that moment. Okay, we're going to go on the road and we're going to beat a good team. And they peed down their legs. So, you know, it's all fine and good to say we need that moment. But not only do you need that moment, you need that moment and then you need to keep it. You need to You need to make it mean something. It means nothing if you don't keep it going. All right, Anthony from Santa Clarita, California, a a frequent texter and contributor to the show. Hey, Peter, what's happening? I saw on Twitter that your top five candidates to be the next Packers head coach are McDaniels, DeFilippo, Riley, LaFleur, and Taub. I agree with those five, but what about throwing Pete Carmichael into the conversation? So I got a lot of questions about the the coaching situation, Mike McCarthy, and and the names that are out there. I would say I really only like those top three. Um, in terms of names that I think would really be exciting. Um, you know, I, I have no idea if Matt LaFleur is actually a, a good coach. I know he, he coached with Mike Shanahan. I know he coached with Sean McVay, but he also coached with Mike Shanahan and Sean McVay, and those guys are a huge part of what those teams do well. I think in a lot of the same ways that Bill Belichick coaches have not necessarily succeeded elsewhere because the main guy is such a big part of the deal. Um, McDaniels to me is different. And we're going to have these discussions later uh, in the season. I think as we move forward, especially if the Packers lose a couple games, uh, I've already talked to Jason Hershorn, and my colleague at Acme Packing Company about coming on and, and digging into some of those, those options and those opportunities. Um, you know, you guys really liked the show that we did in the preseason where, where we, you know, role played a little bit. And I was, you know Brian Gutekunst, and he was Mike McCarthy, and we and we got to uh, you know we got to poke fun at those guys a little bit, but also have a serious football discussion. Um, and, and so we can't really do it the same way because I don't think you know if we did it, you know Mike Murph, Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst, the characters don't play as well. I think the character of Mike McCarthy is just better, but um, that's not the point. The point is we're going to have a lot of time to have these discussions. Um, you know, Pete Carmichael, a lot of the same things that I just said about Matt LaFleur is is double for Pete Carmichael. Uh, he's been at Sean Payton's knee for the last few years since 2009. But I think Payton rightfully gets a lot of the credit for what that offense does. It's the same reason, you know, Joe Lombardi is a name that, that, that's been thrown out to me. And I'm just like, do you guys remember what that trash Lions offense was? I mean, he had Calvin Johnson and, and they couldn't score. So don't tell me about Joe Lombardi. If his name was Joe Lombardo, no one would care about if about his the possibly being a head coach anywhere. 
All right, I want to end on this. I got this from Aaron from Illinois. Peter, Lions beat the Panthers. Cowboys beat the Falcons. Go Vikings tonight. Unfortunately, that didn't come through. I'm waiting for a prophetic moment from Rodgers, and I think we get it after we beat the Vikings. Thoughts? Well, if the Packers beat the Vikings, they're 5-5-1. Five, five, and one. They are in really good position to pass the Vikings because they'd be in second place ahead of the Vikings. It'd be a sweep of the Vikings. And then the toughest game left on their schedule is week 15 at Chicago. Beat Minnesota. And a 6-0 finish is absolutely possible. Here's the problem. We haven't seen anything from them that suggests this is a team that can go on the road and win a game. They haven't done it. Now they're coming off a mini-buy. Rodgers loves to talk about the advantages of that. Minnesota played the late game. So not only do they not have the mini buy, but they looked really bad, really sloppy, and that's coming off a full buy for them. So when Green Bay looks at this game, they're four, five, and one. Minnesota's five, four, and one. If they lose to Green Bay, they're both five, five, and one. Minnesota has to go at New England in week 13. They have to go at Seattle in week 14. They have to go at Detroit week 16. They play home for the Bears in week 17. That is a tough stretch. Chicago has to go on a short week. They have to go to Detroit for Thanksgiving. They play 85 hours after their game on Sunday. From when you're listening to this right now, they're like two days from playing again. That's going to be tough. On Thanksgiving in an emotional spot where the Lions win more often than really they should. The Bears still have to play the Vikings again, still have to play the Packers, still have to play the Rams. If Green Bay wins out and they go 10-5-1, and one, and you, the, the Minnesota is not going to win out. They're not going to beat New England and Seattle on the road. They're going to lose one of those games. So they're done. They're out of the running. Then you look at Chicago. Is Chicago going to get to 11 wins? Well, if Green Bay beats Chicago... That's one more loss. So that's four losses. So now you look at the Bears' schedule. So if we build in that Packers' loss, that's four losses. They need to lose one of, and we assume they, they lose to the Rams. And I don't, I don't think that's at all um, a given. But the Rams are still going to need that game with as well as the Saints are playing. That's five losses. The problem is they'd be 11 and 5, Green Bay would be 10, 5 and 1, and that Minnesota tie comes in huge because if they had just won that game outright and they went 6 and 0 to finish the season, they'd be 11 and 5 with a sweep of the Bears and they'd be NFC North champions. Instead, they need the Bears to lose one of at Detroit, at Minnesota, at the Giants could be an interesting tricky spot. And then they have at 49ers. I don't think anyone expects them to lose that game. They just need the Bears to lose one of those other games. But again, as I said earlier, and that's for the that's for the division. If Green Bay does win out and they go 10-5-1, that is a playoff team 100%. Because that five loss number in particular is crucial. Because even 10 win teams will have six losses. And that brings their winning percentage down, Green Bay jumps them. So no matter, so even if, let's say Seattle goes 10 and 6, 
and Green Bay is in a wild card position against them. Well, 10-5-1, even with a head-to-head loss, if Green Bay is second in their division, Seattle's second in their division, 10-5-1 head-to-head to ten, with 10-6, and 10-5-1 is the better record. For the Cowboys to get to that same five-loss number, so remember, 10-5-1, you care more in this case about the losses, the Cowboys would have to win out. Ditto for Seattle because they they both have five losses. So while Green Bay is behind Seattle because of the head to head and they have one fewer win, if they go if both teams finish with 10 wins, then that would mean Green Bay gets in because they have one fewer loss. It's a little bit of an interesting quirk, but I I keep saying it every week. The season is still out in front of them. And Mike McCarthy used that exact phrasing after the Seahawks game. The season is still out in front of them. Beat Minnesota, beat Chicago. That's it. That's the season. Because if you win those games, chances are you're going to win the home games you need to win. You're going to beat the Jets on the road. And that's 10-5-1. You're going to the playoffs. And then who knows? we already seen they can hang with the Rams in LA. Can they hang with the Saints in New Orleans? Well, I don't know that anyone can. And that's just life. But they could still go to the playoffs. They could still win a playoff game. And there were plenty of you that felt like Going to the playoffs, I think now if Mike McCarthy's fate is sealed, and I think it's it's if it's not sealed, it is in the envelope, and the envelope has been licked. It's maybe you just haven't pressed on the envelope yet to make sure it's fully sealed. Anything short of a Super Bowl at this point is probably going to cost Mike McCarthy his job. So everything from here on out is gravy. All the wins, you bank playoff wins or whatever it is, you bank playoff appearances for Rodgers. All of that stuff matters. It matters for McCarthy's legacy. It matters for matters for Rogers' legacy. And it matters for the fans. It matters for the fans. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Ben Fennell from The Athletic is going to join the show. And we're going to talk about this Packers offense um, and, and some of the things that it's lacking and, and some of the things that he really likes about what the Packers defense are doing. He, his man crush on Kenny Clark is famous at this point, and And we need to talk about it. Because we haven't spent enough time talking about Kenny Clark on this show. He's been outstanding. And so we will change that with Ben on Tuesday, crossover Wednesday. We're not going to have a show on Thanksgiving. And what I think we're going to do on Friday is we're going to have a a shortened show on Friday. We're going to just do the injury report and get out. So we'll talk about it, talk about how it impacts Sunday. And then get out of there because I don't want to waste anyone's holiday weekend. Enjoy your family. I know some people are going to use it as, as an excuse. I'm going to, oh, I got to go listen to this podcast. Uncle Frank, I can't talk to you anymore about politics. Uh, <laughs> but no show on Thanksgiving this week. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the food. Enjoy your family. And insofar as you're able to do that, depending on the situation. And we'll be back Friday. And then the Packers season on Sunday. I mean, that's all. That's all that's on the line is their season in Minnesota. It's two desperate teams. It's NFC North rivals. It is everything you could possibly want from a late November football game. So if you're not excited now, I mean, please see a doctor because you should be. This is going to be a lot of fun coming down the stretch here. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Remember, subscribe to the show. Please leave a review. Rate us. It helps raise our 
level of awareness for people around us who might want to find the show and enjoy us. We were one of the biggest growth teams last week. The number one local NFL show, number one, number one NFL show period on the network last week. And that's all thanks to you guys. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, do that at 920-341-3775. It is up to you to make sure you stay Locked On Packers.